Hi, Tigers. Welcome to the How to Deal podcast. My name is Tim White, and I am one of the mental health providers in the University of Memphis Counseling Center. Uh, I'm excited that you have decided to join us today. Uh, we have a session jam-packed full of information to help you navigate midterms and a portion of the semester that tends to be pretty heavy, pretty demanding, and can take quite a toll on us, especially with regard to our mental state. So before we dive into that, a couple housekeeping items, as you may or may not know, we are located in Wilder Tower, room 214. However, due to the ongoing COVID-19 situation, we are providing our services via online or remote uh, technology. So that doesn't change your ability to access sessions. In some ways, it might actually make it easier. Uh, if you are looking to connect with a counselor or therapist in some way, please give us a call at 901-678-2068. Again, that's 901-678-2068. The other thing you can do is go to our website, memphis.edu forward slash counseling. And this is where you can find some links and some information to help you get connected with one of our therapists. Uh, one more bit of information on the housekeeping side of things. Keep in mind that this podcast is informational in nature. It's not intended to uh, replace therapy or some sort of mental health session. It is strictly to give you some uh, information that you can use and implement into your day-to-day -day life. If you need additional assistance, again, please get in touch with us through those phone numbers or through the website that I mentioned earlier. Uh, if you are experiencing a mental health crisis or experiencing some sort of mental health emergency, please call 911, go to your nearest emergency room. Uh, you can also call the National Suicide Hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255, or you can get in touch with our uh, on-call providers at 901 Six seven eight help. That's nine zero one six seven eight H E L P. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's content. Like we, like I said, uh, we know that it's midterms, and so we want to talk a little bit about how you can stay grounded and stay on top of uh, the current week or coming weeks and really help you navigate a very busy time of a semester. A big part of that is time management. So I'm gonna throw out uh, all kinds of different suggestions and ideas. Uh, some of them work better for others. Uh, I know some of these tend to work really well for me, but other uh, suggestions maybe aren't the best fit for me, but might be a better fit for somebody else. So uh, take this suggestions, play around with them, do a little bit of trial and error and see how you can maybe even modify some of the things that you're already doing uh, to enhance your, your time management and your ability to manage the stress of this portion of the semester. So specific type time management. One of the suggestions that I hear from individuals who are really, really busy and you hear this coming from uh, people who are working in high level executive type positions uh, and the idea is that every portion of their day 
has some sort of purpose or meaning and is scheduled out. Now, this doesn't mean fill your day just for the sake of filling your day. What I'm getting at is this idea that if I have a dozen different things to accomplish throughout the day, each one of those tasks is assigned a chunk of time on my calendar. And people will take this all the way to building in a specific block of time for them to check their email or a specific block of time to eat their lunch and a specific block of time uh, maybe to just uh, stop and catch their breath. You know, even if it's five minutes to uh, stand up and uh, go get something to drink or maybe it's 15 minutes to step outside and walk around the building to give yourself a little bit of a mental break. Some people will literally schedule that into their calendar. And uh, for those that do tend to be really, really busy and are moving from task to task to task, uh, this is an approach that can be useful. Uh, it, it certainly creates an element of organization. It certainly takes a little bit of time, uh, perhaps at the start of the day or maybe even the night before. Um, but if it's a way to organize yourself, uh, then it's something that could be potentially useful. Uh, other people seeing all of that laid out on their calendar uh, might be a little bit overwhelming. I know I tend to feel that way. I've actually tried that approach and, um, you know, some, it's a little much for me. Uh, I know it works for other people, but for me, I t tend to take a little bit more of a task list approach or that to-do list. Some people simply creating a to-do to list is um, all they need. Just having that list of items that they need to accomplish in front of them is enough information and organization to help them accomplish what they need to throughout the given day. Uh, I like to break my to-do list up into things that are work-related and things that are kind of in my personal life. Um, sometimes I will assign certain tasks to a certain day of the week. Uh, other times I just have it listed. Uh, I know another person who likes to suggest that as you are looking at your to-do list, maybe you have six or seven items on there and you pick um, two items. These are the two items that have to get done today. And then the rest of the items, if you get those done, are treated like a bonus. And so he, his suggestion is rooted in prioritizing the things that need to be accomplished and uh, helping you use something like a to-do list and identifying one as a must-do, maybe two as a must-do, uh, and then the rest of the items as bonus items. It really serves that function of prioritizing the things that you're doing. Um, those are just a handful of suggestions in terms of managing time, uh, which certainly is a really important piece uh, during this portion of the semester. So hopefully one of those works well for you, or maybe you can tailor something that you already do and kind of create a little bit of a blend or a mixture with some of those suggestions. So time isn't just the only thing we need to be thinking about. Uh, it certainly plays into this next component and this idea of self-care. You know, this is a term we use a lot in mental health and in the psychology field. Uh, Unfortunately, it, it's kind of overused or, or used without a whole lot of description and explanation. And so that's what I want to offer you here. Uh, Self-care is this piece of the little things throughout the day that allow you to take care of yourself. 
it's the uh, factors like sleep and nutrition and giving yourself moments throughout the day where you have a chance to do something other than being, other than being hyper focused on your studies or your work or whatever responsibilities you are navigating. One of the challenges with regard to the idea of self-care is that sometimes people associate it with this self-indulging and um, overly uh, pleasant and enjoyable and, and kind of this idea of, well, instead of taking care of my responsibilities, I'm just going to go uh, kind of have a good time or go have a spa day or something like that. And that's not accurate. That's not fair. That's not what we mean when we talk about self-care. Self-care is doing the things that are necessary to maintain our ability to focus, to concentrate, to have the energy we need to get through the day and to work efficiently and effectively. We know through the research that when we do not have sufficient sleep, our memory is negatively affected. We know through research that when uh, we are studying, our brain is using energy. Food is our source of energy. So we need to be fueling our mind the same way we would kind of fuel our body for exercise. We know we need to eat to have energy to exercise. We also need to eat to have the energy necessary to focus and concentrate and retain information. Some of this is challenging because these are concepts and ideas we've been hearing for many, many years. I, you know, ever since I was a child, somebody, whether it was in school or in my athletic experiences or uh, doctors or whatever, somebody was talking about the value of nutrition and the value of sleep. And this kind of gets back to that scheduling thing. If you're having a hard time getting a good quality meal or you aren't getting sufficient sleep, maybe there's something to be said about looking at how do you schedule your day? Do you have a purposeful bedtime? You know, we tend to think of bedtime as something that is uh, more for kids per se. Uh, but even as adults, do you have a bedtime so that you know you are at least getting to sleep uh, at a point where you will get sufficient sleep uh, so that you can be well-rested uh, for the next day. Uh, those are those are kind of the uh, kind of the parent type of, you know, take care of your sleep, take care of your nutrition. But let me talk about a couple other things uh, that are, uh, don't feel as parenty. And that one of them that is especially important right now is the element of human connection. We know that uh, socialization and human interaction and connecting with others has definitely been negatively affected uh, through things uh, related to the coronavirus. Uh, we've certainly been really challenged with this need to navigate and balance this idea that yes, we need to do what we need to do to protect ourselves from potential infection. We need to follow guidelines like wearing masks and maintaining physical distance by between ourselves and other people. That's part of, um, you know, public health. But what has happened is a lot of people have taken that a little bit too far. 
And a lot of people have adopted this mindset that I can't go out in public or I can't interact with other people or I can't have my grandparents over for dinner or whatever the case may be. Just know that uh, we need to work within a middle ground. There needs to be a, a way to protect public health, but also protect our own personal mental health. And I'll give a really good example here. I used to, uh, I'm new to the Memphis area. I used to live in Blacksburg, Virginia, and I had some neighbors uh, up the road uh, who were clearly older. Uh, so clearly in one of those, <clears throat> excuse me, one of those categories that is at higher risk for uh, infection and um, severe consequences related to the virus. Uh, and what these people uh, were able to do is that, you know, they had a, a weekly dinner every Sunday night with uh, some friends and family. Uh, a couple couples would come over and join them for dinner. Uh, and as the coronavirus situation uh, expanded and become became more prob problematic, what they did is they moved that dinner to an, out an, out an outdoor event. Instead of sitting inside around the dining room table, uh, they chose to sit in the garage. They would open up the garage door, they would enjoy uh, the warmer weather, and they all had their chairs and a little tray table in front of them so that they could sit down and eat and everyone had adequate space uh, to maintain the distance but yet they had that social connection and i think that's an excellent example of how we can maintain human interaction and human connectedness while also promoting public safety it's a way to find uh, it's it's an example of how they found a way to support both elements and both needs. Uh, so I really encourage you to be creative in how you are able to maintain those social connections and social interactions because we know that human connection is so, so important to our mood, our demeanor, uh, our sense of uh, happiness or, or contentment, uh, and we can't go without it. Uh, but at the same time, we also need to be responsible and, and do our part to minimize the spread of the virus. Let me go a little bit into this element of being able to give yourself a break. Uh, again, this doesn't have to be a full day at the spa or even a half day at the spa. You don't have to go splurge on, uh, you know, a full on massage. And, and most likely many of us probably don't have the time for that right now. Uh, but there are things that you can do to give yourself that little bit of relaxation and that little bit of uh, kind of comfort and, and pleasure within a given day. Perhaps it's a few extra minutes in a hot shower. I personally love uh, the feeling of a hot water running across my body. And so if, if that's what I need in this time of the semester, I may give myself a few extra minutes in the hot shower. If you have some time to, you know, fill up a bath and, and go that route, go that route. You know, maybe it is going for a walk around the neighborhood. That's something I tend to enjoy at the end of the day when I'm when I'm done and I can't really focus or concentrate on anything else and I'm not being productive anymore. I'll step outside and go for a walk. Uh, and honestly, sometimes I'll do that during the middle of the day. You know, when I'm when I'm working on a paper or um, you know studying for a test, and I just need a little bit of a mental break. You know, five or ten minutes to walk around the block is a great way to give yourself a little bit of a break. Um, there's actually a method uh, around kind of study time and time management. And 
Uh, I forget the exact name of it, but there's this idea of using a timer. And the principle is that uh, you engage in the studying or writing of a paper or reading of a textbook for 25 minutes, and then you give yourself a five minute break. And then you engage in another 25 minutes and give yourself a five minute break. Uh, and certainly we all have phones with timers on it or have some other sort of device that helps us keep track of time. So this could be a really easy uh, strategy uh, to give us those breaks that we need versus kind of that marathon session where, you know, the last several minutes or maybe even the last hour of perhaps a four or five hour study session really isn't very productive. Break it up. Give yourself a break. Your mind needs breaks just like your body needs breaks. Um, another thing to think about, especially around this idea of studying, is consider your learning style. Are you a very visual person or a very visual learner? I tend to be relatively visual. I like to draw things out. I like to uh, kind of map out ideas and concepts. And as I'm writing things down or drawing certain images, it gives me something to remember when I am actually taking an exam. Um, another thing that when I was doing my undergrad, I kind of learned by accident in a way is this piece of, I actually found that I could do pretty well reading textbooks. You know, I know that when I went into college and I first started, professors would always tell us, you know, read this chapter and read that chapter. And like many of my peers, I pretty much never read the textbook. Uh, and then I don't remember exactly how I started doing it, but I do know that at one point later in my undergraduate studies, uh, I, I read a chapter and I realized that it was actually really helpful for me to continue to make sense of what, what I was learning in the lectures. And so during the last probably year and a half, maybe even two years of my undergraduate studies. Uh, I didn't do it for every class, uh, but uh, there were certain classes where I was more intentional about reading the textbook or reading the chapters. Uh, and for me, it was reading it after the professor had given the lecture. Some people, it, it's better for them to read before they go to the lecture. For me, it was easier or more effective to read the textbook after going to the chapter. Uh, going to the lecture. So again, this learning style piece, maybe you're someone who does really well with uh, videos and whether the lecture has been recorded via video or maybe there's something on YouTube that will help you uh, understand a concept or principle or, or whatever uh, works well for you. Of course, with the internet, be careful uh, with regard to sources and how accurate the information is. Um, but really take some time to think about when I study, what is the most effective way? And, and certainly be open to uh, mixing it up a little bit and trying different approaches to learning information. And the last thing I wanna hit on here for the last few minutes uh, is sticking with this studying piece and thinking about the environment that you're in. Uh, this uh, is often overlooked and under appreciated in terms of how effective or important it may be. But when we are in a given environment where we are studying, it's really, really important. And there's actually research that backs this up to think about where you're at and what your surroundings are. If I am uh, at home and I'm in my bedroom, 
what kind of distractions are in my bedroom? Do I have the TV on? Do I have it off? Does the, does the background noise uh, help me block out other distractions throughout the home? Or does having the TV on simply function as a distraction and therefore I'm better off turning it, having it off? Um, you know, maybe listening to some music. Think about the type of music. Uh, as I've continued to progress into adulthood, uh, I've definitely learned that there are certain types of music that help me focus. And there are other types of music that tend to be energizing. And there are other types of music that I just can't help but listen to the music. And so it's not really useful to be listening to that while I'm trying to study. Some of the uh, types of music that are a little bit better for me in terms of focus and concentration tend to be more classical type of music, whether it's pure classical music or it's maybe some piano music or even um, kind of songs and sounds uh, related to meditative type practices. You know, whether you use whatever kind of music listening platform you use, almost all of them have some sort of playlist or uh, station where you can find something related to focus and concentration, or even some of them are literally titled classical for studying, uh, you know, piano music for studying. Uh, so really take that into consideration and, and think about how can you control your attention? How can you manage your attention so that uh, you're efficient with your time? Uh, another thing to think about is what is what does the room or the space look like if i'm in my again in my bedroom and there are clothes all over the floor and, and papers and uh, it's heavily disorganized and messy that actually has an effect on uh, the I, I keep using the word efficiency or let's use the word effectiveness in terms of studying in a way it functions as a distraction um, and certainly that will have a bigger effect on some people and, and not as much of an effect on others. So keep that in mind. Is your desk space organized or is it kind of messy and cluttered? If you choose to study on campus, are you perhaps in a library uh, or maybe one of the student center spaces? Uh, again, what kind of distractions are around you? What kind of noises are around you? Is that something that tends to negatively affect you or, or are you able to uh, tolerate it and, and manage it? Uh, I always had different places on campus that I would go to uh, because I knew I studied well in those spaces. And sometimes moving from a space like the library to the student center was something I would do halfway through my studies because it gave me that mental break that I needed um, and simply changing up the environment uh, benefited me. I, I can't tell you exactly why, uh, but I know it did. And so sometimes I would do that. I would plan to spend a certain portion of the day at the library and a certain portion of the day uh, at home and another portion of the day in the student center. Uh, also, I've been talking a lot about distractions. Certainly in each of those spaces, you, it is important to consider noise and whether or not that negatively affects you, but then also think about lighting. Are you in a dimly lit room and you're trying to read? Or are you in a space where it's you know, there's plenty of light coming in, maybe from maybe it's uh, natural light coming in through the windows, or is it artificial light? 
Uh, certainly thinking about screen time and the effect of blue light and the way that inhibits your body's natural ability to release melatonin and uh, use it effectively. Uh, so all kinds of different things. The last piece I'm going to say, I talked about blue light. So think about uh, your devices. Uh, do as much as you can to turn off as many notifications as possible. If your phone is constantly dinging, you're not going to, you're going to have a much harder time maintaining your focus, maintaining any sense of concentration. Uh, and really, when we think about how long it takes us to prepare for some sort of exam or write a paper, it can easily add a significant amount of time to that particular task. So do as much as you can to minimize and turn off the notifications for various apps and social media, whether it's on your phone, on your computer, whatever the case may be, set yourself up for success. And that is one of the ways to do it. So I've thrown a ton of information at you today. Hopefully something really kind of clicks or resonates with you. Uh, maybe even a few different ideas. Uh, certainly this isn't all new and uh, isn't stuff that perhaps you know, some of us have or haven't heard before, but hopefully there's something in here that you can say, hey, I think that will help me and I'm going to give it a try. So we wish you the best as you navigate this portion of the semester. We know it's, again, another challenging semester and we know that the middle portion tends to be a heavy period of time where there's a lot going on. Uh, and you have a lot of tasks and responsibilities. And of course, we still have to have our everyday life to take care of as well. So again, we wish you the best. And as I said at the beginning, if we can support you, please feel free to reach out to our office. Again, our website is memphis.edu forward slash counseling. And our phone number is 901-678-2068. Thanks for joining me and uh, take care of yourselves.